0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Rejoice always in the Lord. I say to you again, rejoice. This is commonly known as Gaudete Sunday because of the entrance antiphon, which is actually in the imperative, rejoice, because Mother Church supposes we have been assiduously doing penance uh, as opposed to going to holiday parties as part of our Advent preparation for the coming of our Lord at Christmas. And that's why we also are vested in rose, a manly rose, not pink, because this is a day in which we take a little reprieve from our penances to rejoice in the Lord because he's close. Aristotle says that joy is the result of possessing the Beloved. But as even though we're quoting this beautiful letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, in fact, if you read that letter, you'll find he mentions joy in just about every other paragraph. It's a beautiful, short little letter all about the joy, but it's not the joy of sentiments. It's not about a Christmas feeling. It's not even a virtue. So what is this joy then that we are commanded to... Exercise. It's a command. It's said in the imperative, okay? It's not offered as a good idea or a suggestion. Rather, it's a command. Gaudete. It's in the second person imperative. It's an order. And so, how do we fulfill that? If I'm sick, if I'm unemployed, if I'm grieving the loss of a loved one, if I am truly living out the beatitude of mourning, and weeping when I look at sin in the world, my own sin, I consider my own need for conversion, and it brings about a degree of sorrow along with hope. Isn't there a contradiction here between this seemingly saccharine command to rejoice when there seems to be so, materially speaking, so few causes for rejoicing? And nonetheless, it's an order. Why does Mother Church quote St. Paul, commanding us to rejoice? Because she's not speaking about a feeling, about a sentiment, about a virtue. She's speaking about a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what is a fruit? The fruit of a plant is its produce. The fruit of the intellect is what we come up with after a little rational discourse. So it's a product. It's an act. It's not a feeling. It's not a virtue. It is an act. But only possible by a soul in a state of grace. Because the souls in a state of grace have the possibility to produce these fruits of the Holy Spirit. Paul enumerates 12 fruits. The church has never said there are only 12. But certainly we know 12 of them. The first of which is charity. Charity is an act. Not charity as divine indwelling. Not charity as a virtue, but charity as an act. In one moment, that's the fruit. And what's the second? It's joy. Why? Because when we are in a state of grace, we possess the beloved. And as a result of this mutual possession, we ought to have joy. We have to have joy, even in the midst of sorrow and grief. What's the third? Peace. Peace, says Augustine, is tranquillitas ordinis, right? Everything is in its proper place, the tranquility of order. Everything is in its right place. And this means it's not an absence of, absence of conflict. We're in constant conflict. If we are followers of Christ in this world, we're in, abs, ab, we're in constant conflict in this life. And that's not a problem. It's just our situation. In fact, we, we ought to be actually even rejoice in the fight for Christ and for his kingdom, that ought to be, even and when we suffer for the name of Christ, that ought to be a cause of joy, because we have the privilege of wearing the stripes of our beloved, of participating, if only in a small way, in his passion. And so, this is an act of the Holy Spirit, not without my cooperation, though, So that is what a fruit is. It is an an act obeying an inspiration of the Holy Spirit in which we produce this fruit, which then is visible for ourselves and others, and it's also a foreshadowing of things to come in heaven. There is this absolute joy... In heaven that the blessed and the angels experience. And nonetheless, you know, you look at Our Lady of La Salette and she was weeping. When the, when the visionary saw Our Lady of La Salette, she was weeping. But what about this joy thing? How does that work? Well, there is the difference between intrinsic joy and this, that's exactly what Paul is talking about and that's what Mother Church is enjoining us to do. It's the joy of considering God in Himself. And this is a joy, then, that is absolute. This is a joy that is undisturbed. There is an extrinsic joy that the blessed in heaven have. They they sorrow, they grieve over our sins. And so their absolute joy is not interrupted. And nonetheless, so there there are different levels. An example of this would be, for example, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, right, who lived, obviously, a deep life of grace, and nonetheless, the last 50 years of her life, she thought she was condemned to hell. She was in horrible darkness. She thought God had rejected her. She didn't think that. She felt that. This was her trial, not because of anything she did to deserve that. This was probably expiation for a world that had rejected him. It was also her path to holiness. And so there are things going on at different levels in her soul, right? There's this internal joy, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then there's this emotional sorrow and grief, which is at a, a more superficial level and nonetheless is real. And this is our, our challenge, this is our task. When things are in their proper place, when there is a certain tranquilitas ordinis, then our hearts, our minds, our affections are ordered towards our Savior and not towards the things of this life. And that's why we don't experience an existential sorrow when we grieve some the loss of a loved one, when we lose our work, when we're sick, when things don't go well for us or I lose my house. There isn't an existential grief there. There is an extrinsic grief and sorrow which ought not, if I'm in a state of grace, ought not interrupt my joy, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gaudete, gaudete in domino semper.